Hi, this is Tony Lloyd. Interviewing people for many years has made me realise that everyone has a life story to tell. Be they sad, amazing or even inspirational, I want to bring as many human stories to you as I can in this series of podcasts. Human Stories with Tony Lloyd. Mickey Harris, welcome to Human Stories. Thanks for talking to me. Thank you. I'm honoured to be here today. And um, I, I want to talk to you about your life, but at the moment um, you're involved with uh, an organisation called Kaleidoscope. Is that right? And um, they help people. Um, so that's that's, that's good. And we'll talk to you about that in a minute and find out what Kaleidoscope do. But I want to dig a little bit uh, deeper into your life and find out uh, how you arrived where you are now. Um, I've found out that you are dyslexic, you were a commando, and then you set up your own business. So let's talk about dyslexia to start with, because people might identify with that. It's, it's, it seems to be more common now, more people are realising that they are dyslexic. How did that affect your younger life? I was I was actually born in Israel and spent my first four years there. And obviously, I, I hadn't entered any formal education. So when I came to England, even though I spoke perfect English, my parents were English, um, I went to a junior school. Um, and within about three months, they called my parents in and said, there's something wrong with your child. Um, and my parents said, what do you mean? He's lovely. And I said, yeah, he's absolutely lovely. And he's so happy. But he's a little bit... Um, backwards in coming forwards uh, educationally and my mother said well, what do you mean by that and they said well he can hardly spell he hates writing he won't stand up and draw or write anything on the board um i'm only five um and um and we think that he has some some communication issues um so unfortunately we recommend you send him to a special school uh, for children with special needs and my my parents were like that's ridiculous um so we fell out with the school of course got very upset with them and my parents moved me to a private school um, which cost them a, a fortune mm. not that they had it but they thought you know we've got to try something because the headmistress mrs brewster um was renowned for taking children with these so-called problems and sorting them out right. so off i went in my new uniform um and within literally six months she had turned me round and she said your son has this thing called dyslexia um and my parents said don't be ridiculous what is it <laughs> she said there's nothing terrible it's not going to fall apart but it is a communication and a processing issue mm -hmm. and we can work with him um, and they trundled me out of that school into a grammar school, uh, where I continue to be dyslexic because you can't you can't cure it. No. Um, and trundled through school, having a great time, never passing any exams at all, but being one of the most social people in the school. Um, and uh, eventually, I, I passed out of that school at the age of sixteen. But I went straight back to Israel to join the army. So um, oh. I knew what I wanted, um, and uh, and that's uh, that's sort of how I dealt with dyslexia: just being happy and saying, "I'm sorry, I don't quite mm. understand that." It sounds a bit like my school days, but I am not dyslexic. I was just rubbish, <laughs> but uh, I didn't have an excuse or a reason. <laughs> no. yeah. Okay, so um, how's that, while we're on the subject, how's uh, that condition affected uh, the rest of your life? So I'm really bad at writing um, emails. 
Um, I break spell checkers. I mean, literally. Um, I did have an instance when I first started working in the hotel business when computers were new, um, and I literally did break. Well, I didn't break the spell checker, but it had the very earliest form of um, auto correction and this uh, AI that remembered the mistakes that you'd made and asked you if you wanted to save them. And for some reason, it saved all the mistakes I made. So I used to write the and the and the worst the the, the one thing that always well i'll never forget because it was a shock horror moment for me was i wrote somebody an email one of my first emails and the guy's name was john o'neill he was one of the managers and it came out as john anal and i'd sent off i sent the email saying dear john anal and i'd copied in the whole of the team and i was just horrified so um yeah i do have a disclaimer on my emails now that says i'm really sorry if i offended you but i am dyslexic well at least <laughs> and at least you can blame the software these days Yes, I can. And fortunately, John saw the funny side of it. So we were all good. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so you went back to uh, to Israel uh, and joined the, joined the army. Was uh, your dyslexia a problem joining the army? Well, it wasn't. Um, so when I went back to Israel, it's great, uh, great story. I uh, in the on their computer system, it said that I was born in Israel, but my my reading ability was that of a six year old because I'd lived most of my life in England. So they put me in a unit for people with special needs <laughs> again, um, and I was thrown into um, this group of the worst ex cons. Um, lunatic children, um, people with all sorts of ADHD issues, um, and sent to this educational facility, um, not prison, but just like where they educate you and, and try and make the best of you. And while I was there, and I, I knew why I was there, but there was nothing you could do. Um, I, I met a guy who was from a, an elite unit. He came to talk to us one night and his job was to take really kids who had had a very rough upbringing um, and had turned to crime and things like that, but actually had a lot of motivation in them to actually succeed in crime. And his job was to turn them into fighting soldiers. That was his brief. Um, and I got the opportunity to try out for this unit. Um, and, I, and I said no, because I was a complete pacifist. Um, and then my friend said, do you do know that if we go out on this run tonight, we'll get a three day pass and we can go home? for the weekend and I was like oh okay then um and we literally went out on this this run and I got dragged over the finishing line um got my three-day pass and a year and a half later was part of this elite unit um I'm not quite sure how it all happened <laughs> um but actually they just cared about your ability to think fast yeah um yeah. they didn't read they and, and discipline as long as you understood discipline and the team and how that all worked mm. um they a lot of us had issues to be honest with you so i think i was one of the good ones wow and did you go on to uh see any action unfortunately yes yes i was i was in the army at the time of the lebanese war so uh, oh. although i spent most of my time visiting lebanese shop shopkeepers and making friends with them right. um yeah it, that was a very difficult period in my time because i am essentially a pacifist sure but i just got i just got thrown into a situation and made the best of it do you think that those experiences in the army um, have moulded to how you are you to how you are today? You know, those experiences must have impacted on your life a lot. Definitely, I I did I I certainly came out of the army a much stronger and more confident person, um, and I realised that one has to achieve 
in life in order to progress. And one also has to sort of bury their inabilities and work within the context of their abilities. Mm -hmm. So never to say the grass is always greener, just to say, well, my grass is okay, I'll do the best with it I can. Mm -hmm. um, and it just taught me that I had to fight for everything I wanted as well, which is ultimately why I went into, into sales jobs because it gave me the opportunity to use my talents and not worry about, I mean, I was terrible at admin, but you know, as long as I brought the money in, nobody cared. <laughs> Fair enough. And that, so you went into media sales, I understand. Is that, that your field? Yeah, I started off in hotels and then went into uh, restaurants. As a, so I, a typical me, I did a marketing degree that was paid for by the hotel group I worked for, Stackis Hotels. Um, they paid for me to do a marketing degree. I didn't do the exams because I've never, ever passed an exam in my life. Um, and then I winged myself, I can say that now, it was a long time ago, a job <laughs> as a marketing director for a Japanese restaurant chain. Um, and, uh, and went to work there. And while I was there, I had an opportunity to to run an advertising campaign on black taxis, um, which were obviously famous and build up the brand. And that company was owned by my cousins. Um, and I ended up working for them for 24 years. Yeah. Wow. So that's how I, I didn't, I never planned to get into advertising, but that's how it happened. Did you sell uh, radio advertising? No, I, I didn't. I, I could do, though, I think. I think radio is amazing, um, and I think it's got so much potential. Mm. Um, and I did work for a company, actually, years after as a consultant that had a short code for radio broadcasting. So it was short response code rather than people having to listen and try and remember a long URL. Yep. So I got to very much appreciate the power of radio. Mm. Yes, well, as you know, I've been in it a long time, so I, I know uh, how good it is, how good it can be. Okay, so now um, you're a semi-retired mediator and mentor. What, do, what does that involve? So about five years ago, I realised that getting up at six in the morning and driving to London every day was probably not what I should be thinking about moving forward. I've been very fortunate. I've worked hard and, I, and I've been lucky. And, and I said to my wife, you know what, quality of life is more important than anything. Um, and, um, and I want to go and do my own thing. And I had done it a few years, in, in 2002. 2000 we sold the first taxi advertising business and I set up a consultancy and I was part of a, a mini dragon's den at Regent's University in London and I got involved with entrepreneurs and startups and I just said to my wife you know I'm just going to do that again I set up a business called Scenario on the basis that I look at best and worst case scenario with clients and with individuals as a coach and um, and I just started to grow this business and um, realised that I, I didn't have to go to London all the time. I, I do actually still sell taxi advertising. I'm still a consultant for my family business. So I'm very proud to be that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I get involved in lots of things. Um, and I became a mediator because as we went into the COVID scenario, I could see a lot of media business dropping off <clears throat> and a lot of my consultancy clients <laughs> going to struggle. Mm. Um, and I said to them, I'm still here for you, but I'm just not going to charge you because it doesn't make sense to do so. And mediation was something that somebody suggested I did a few years ago. And I thought, why not? Let's do the course and see if I can actually pass a course at the age of 55, 6. Um, and funnily enough, I did. I passed the course. I was like, my family was like, really? My kids are like, Dad, you actually passed a course. Well done. <laughs> um, <clears throat> because I've been mediating all my life in business. So it was it was quite an easy transition. And I, I worked with a company called The Mediator Network and helped them grow. I get every organization I get involved in, I end up getting involved in something to do with their sales and growth. Um, 
And then as part of that, I was approached by this amazing organization called Kaleidoscope. And Kaleidoscope enables people with disabilities to either uh, gain the ability to be more confident about job selection and job interviewing, but also for young entrepreneurs who want to start up their own businesses. Uh, we look at uh, funding and investment and, and mentoring. And also anybody who wants to produce something for the disabled world, um, we also look at them and how we can help them grow. So it's an amazing organization. Oh. And um, I gave them three months of my time. Um, I just said, look, I'll, don't pay me. I'll just get involved and see if I can make a difference. Um, and as Estelle saw in my last post on LinkedIn, it was my my my, my time to decide whether to continue or not. Um, I'm glad to say I am continuing, obviously, um, because I am so humbled by the people I meet and I work with. Everybody in the organization it lives with a disability. Um, my dyslexia is, is nothing in comparison to what other people go through every day. Mm. And it motivates me to try and help people because a lot of people are just disregarded. You know, they're labeled and, it, and it's just it's just impossible. It's like racism. I mean, why do we still have racism? It's one of these things that you don't understand in your head why it actually happens. Yeah. We, we have people who are so talented and have so much to give to, to the world of business. Um, if you said, like, take Richard Branson when he was, you know, first diagnosed as a kid as a dyslexic, he could have ended up as a nobody. Mm. Yeah. Nobody is a nobody if, they, if you give them the opportunity to be somebody. And, and that's what we believe in. So uh, Kaleidoscope only deals with people with disabilities? Yep. But, okay. you know, um, one in four people have a disability and yeah. you or I could become severely disabled tomorrow. So um, sure. Absolutely. It's, what, a hu it's a huge audience. What would you say to somebody listening to this who has got uh, a disability of some uh, sort um, and, is uh, you know, wants to get on with their lives and be positive, but they don't know how to, to, to progress? What would you say to those people? So one is uh, get in touch with us. We have an incubator. And we take both uh, entrepreneurs and, and people that are looking for a job. It doesn't matter what age you are. Um, we take them through the incubator to make them better prepared and better ready for work. Uh, we have clients out there who are looking for people and who are happy to engage. You know, the world has gone very um, online and from home in the last year and a half, right? Yeah. And there are a lot of disabled people who felt that they couldn't go out to work because of their uh, mobility issues. And, yeah. well, now they don't have to. Yeah, so we can find work for people and they can stay in their comfortable environment where they feel safe and secure and they can use their talents to somebody else's benefit. So it's called the Kaleidoscope Group of Companies. Um, if you go online, it's www.kaleidoscope.group. Uh, get in touch with us or look me up on LinkedIn and, and if we can help, we will. Okay, that's fantastic. Well, um, you, I think you've covered everything, Mickey. Thank you very much for talking to me. It's, you've been, you certainly have been inspirational. I'm quite sure that people listening to Human Stories will will be inspired by what you've said, even if they're not uh, disabled in any way. You know, I find your story quite inspirational. Thank you for talking to me. Thank you for your time, and I really appreciate it. Human Stories is a free podcast with no fees paid to contributors in the hope that they'll inspire or help others. Get in touch if you have a story to tell. If you or your organisation would like a professional podcast series to reach your own audience, or if you'd like training so you can do it yourself, I can help. Go to TonyLloydRadio.com. Human Stories with Tony Lloyd.